Hey, I'm Chris, and thank you for joining us on the Southwest Florida Business Podcast. I'm your host, and I'm joined by Molly and Howard from Christel Construction. So they're a company that's based out of Fort Myers. They've been around for about 33 years now. And the reason why I reached out to them is I saw that they had completed the construction project for the road work on Fort Myers Beach, and they had done so about five and a half years ahead of schedule. So I reached out, we ended up talking, and they came into the studio, and it was really interesting to learn about the process of how they approach a job like this. It's no easy feat to tear up the road on Fort Myers Beach, which is super heavily populated, um, tons of traffic, lots of businesses. Um, and it, w- it was really cool to see how they plan out the whole thing and then how they break it down. And then we kind of get a little bit into the nitty gritty of how they worked with the businesses. They worked with the town. They work with their project managers on like a ground level to make this stuff work, to keep getting better each time they start a new section. It's very interesting to learn. As a business owner, I'm definitely going to take some of these lessons and try to apply them to my own business. But I think in addition to the projects that they've worked on, one of the really cool things to talk about on this was the way that they view their customers and the way that they view their employees. I mean, just listen to how they really think about it. I mean, there's not a lot of companies that actually think this way in terms of taking care of your employees, taking care of your customers. It's really a refreshing approach to this. And maybe it's an old school approach, but I like it better. And I mean, based on the fact that they just got five new huge construction projects this month alone from mostly repeat customers, uh, I would say they're probably doing something right. So I hope you guys learn a lot from this. Uh, I know I certainly did. And they are hiring. So make sure that you reach out if you or somebody you know is interested in working there or you know somebody that's from out of state or whatever it may be, get in touch with them, find out more. Um, It seems like a great company to work with, and uh, I'm excited to share this episode with you. So without further ado, enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcasts. If you're a business in Southwest Florida and you want to use a podcast to grow your business, scan the QR code on your screen or visit the link in the show notes at www.swflpodcast.com. Enjoy the show. You know, a sterile boulevard is in, it, it's an intriguing project because of the way it lays out, right? But probably only about 25 or 30% of our work is horizontal work. The rest of it's all vertical construction. Okay. So we do all kinds of vertical stuff, and that'll be for FGCU, the school district, uh, local municipalities. Private clients. Oh, yeah. Tons of it for different private clients. So all of the different type of buildings or structures, I mean, you know, pump houses, right, to move uh wastewater or fresh you know domestic water okay um there's just all kind of different related construction projects that anybody interested in our industry um you know they kind of get labeled and 
or branded in their head maybe of what they think construction is. Um, you go to a you know a college and get a construction management degree. Typically, they are training and teaching project managers. Yeah, there are so many other roles in construction. Uh, and construction companies other than that. Like we have uh, our own in-house BIM modeling, right? So if you're into computers and you understand architecture, construction companies need BIM modelers. Yeah. Um, if you're a process-based logical thinker, we need full-time construction schedulers. That's not done on a whiteboard anymore. You know, yeah. it's all um, – different scheduling programs so then yes we need project managers and project engineers but there's also a whole nother vertical chain of command on the job site that goes from you know an intern to an engineer to an assistant superintendent superintendent senior you know super one super two senior all the way up to the to a very seasoned experienced guys that are running a project like the big dig or you know, they did the tunnel over Miami coming out of, um, you know, to bring the freight from the terminal onto the mainland. Um, our director of operations was one of the project managers on that. So there's all kinds of really interesting jobs in construction that the, the, a university that says, oh, get a construction management degree. Uh, most of those schools, like UF school, used to be called the Rinker School, may still be. Um, they were trying to grow and create project managers that were immediately snapped up by the Lenars and the GLs and all of those home builders. Sure. Um, there's so much more to construction than just, you know, track homes. Yeah. Well, you know, since at, we're, regardless we're of the level. Since we're rolling on this, let's let's dig into this. And I, I do want to ask you guys about the Fort Myers Beach sure. project. But mm -hmm. since we're talking about these other types of vertical projects, you know, Fort Myers Beach is horizontal project. Mm -hmm. Do I have that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So these other kind of projects, I mean, you just touched on some of them there. But what are what are some of the other possibilities that come with these types of projects? Like, what are you guys working on as well? Well, I mean, we're getting ready to start a big renovation uh, for Fort Myers Technical College, right? It's owned by the Lee County School District. Okay. Um, and it's uh, a trade program. The entire campus is based on trade trade skills. Okay. So we're going to do renovations and a new addition on that campus for the school district. So, you know, those kind of projects to us being in the industry um, have a special place that, you know, we admire because that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but you've we, also got projects like the Oaks and Lehigh yeah. Park. That's a big mix of civil, horizontal, and mm -hmm. vertical construction. So without all that civil at the forefront of the project, none of the vertical can take place. So we've got, you know, a, a larger team on those projects, specifically the Oaks, which has already started. Um, that's a very large portion of civil. And once that's done, then the vertical kind of comes, you know, they work hand in hand. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got Lehigh Acres Park, which is Lee County School District, or no, Lee County government. And that is a large civil, but also some smaller vertical. So okay. the fact that we have those two components in our portfolio and in our wheelhouse, those projects are perfect for our firm because we can do them both very well. We have skilled you know, guys on the field that know exactly what needs to be done, even though it's not a roadway per se, sure. it's still the same type of civil work that you need in order to support this vertical construction project with some roads and access roads and whatnot involved. So those two projects, I you know, I think are, are pretty 
pretty good for our firm because it shows our skill set. We've also got a couple of multifamilies that we're looking at. Same thing. You've got those civil components that take place before the vertical sure. is done. So that skill set um, allows for our firm to be very versatile, whether it's just strictly um, horizontal for like a continuing contract or a government entity and vertical for both private and public. It just kind of meshes well. Um, okay. I know the city of Fort Myers um, really, really likes us on their horizontal projects because we've done them. We've done them un on time under budget without any kind of real challenges or, or mistakes, quite frankly. Some of the other firms that may not have done those before, you know, they trip up sometimes. They've never done it. So it's a learning process for everybody. Um, but we've we've kind of got the uh, skill set that just people look at and say, yep, they can do what I know they can. Yeah. You know. Well, and I mean, didn't you guys get the Fort Myers Beach project done way ahead of schedule five and a half years earlier than originally was intended that project was supposed to be six phases okay two years per phase 12 years um the county advanced some design funding so that the design could get advanced um which shortened the duration of the entire job to six and a half years instead of 12 wow. so cut five and a half years off of the mm -hmm. uh construction on the beach that would have you know, number one, it would have cost a lot more. I mean, if you're following anything in construction right now, you know the pricing trend's going up, not down. Yeah. So I can't imagine two years from now what that escalation cost would have been that the county uh, and, quite frankly, the taxpayer, and a lot of that was funded through gas tax and stuff like that, but it, still, it's money saved. Not to mention um, the availability of the materials. Yeah. That would have been a huge delay. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, we got it done before any of that was a was a factor yeah. sure supply chain issues just started to come into play toward the end of that project okay mm. you know there's serious supply chain issues right now yeah in I, our industry i i would bet and i want to ask you about that but i also want to ask you how come you guys can get this done in you know five and a half years ahead of schedule <laughs> and in new york where i grew up there's a road that's been under construction since my dad was a kid how, <laughs> how come those two things uh exist <laughs> well I, I don't know the particulars of the uh, one that where you're from sounds like the i4 project that goes forever but um or downtown pittsburgh one of the two in in this particular job there was a series of things that had to occur right they they knew they needed a new water line they knew they needed a new sewer line they knew they needed gas lines on part of it they uh, Florida Power and Light, which is an electric provider on the beach, knew that they needed to harden all of the electrical grid down there. So they took this construction opportunity to do all of that at one time. Okay. So all of that had been in the planning. The late Commissioner Kiker started that process or was instrumental in it beginning uh, over 10 years ago. He became the mayor of the city of Fort Myers Beach. He was on the council before that. He became county commissioner for that district after that. And really was a champion for that project, but it didn't start, you know, it was a snowball. It started little, got bigger, 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 then, you know, it gets into a capital program for dollars. It gets in the design dollars, and then it moves on. So it was in design and planning for probably a decade before Shoveler ever went in the ground. Um, and then it all had to be designed, and it all had to be construction sequenced and it had to be budgeted accordingly and that's um, one of the single reasons it got advanced the quickest is the the county uh, made financial arrangements to be able to fund it much faster than the approved capital budget at the time 
when okay. they started. So the town had to get um, – they were responsible for the water line, the town of Fort Myers Beach. So they had to do that, and then we had to get Com- Comcast to get all their fiber because there's all new fiber now. Okay. Uh, every utility on that beach, main, you know, large-scale utility, is now new. Uh, much of that was 50 years or older. Got it. Um, as we would – try to locate where these pipes were they use a system called ground penetrating radar which works really well uh if the ground is dry but down there the water table so high that it doesn't uh pick it up as clear as it would if the ground was dry so we tried to do ground penetrating radar for the most part but then we also would do what's called potholing where we pothole all the intersections and look for at the actual pipes okay we did that for the design team as they were designing so that they would understand where the existing lines really were as opposed to where they thought they might be or where an as-built drawing showed them sure. so we tried to locate all those and we still found a few conflicts along the way and got it done yeah you know worked around it as you found it yeah so what are some of the things that you would find when you go in to do these assessments what are some of the uh, unexpected things that you find and then have to work around well you find uh pipes where you didn't think there were pipes and then you don't you have to figure out what they're for are they live are they what do they feed you know where do they feed from what do they feed to um if they weren't okay we could just abandon them um years ago they used to use um you know some hazardous material in pipes so we couldn't disturb those pipes um so we had to work around if we found any of that you you know you can't disturb it so we had to do uh, our utilities in and around it, not damage any of that, and sure. put all our stuff in and keep going. But you know, there were conflicts. Um, to avoid a bunch of the conflicts, we did what's called um, directional drills, to where if you're running a water line, you see the big black, almost looks like a great big black water hose laying on the side of the road. Sure. Okay, you you run a long drill bit down, and then you pull that piping back down through. So what that avoids is the open cut from an excavator so as long as you're drilling underneath everything that's there you can pull all that pipe in there's no way you can cut anything because you're you're below it and then you're pulling your line in and and it's done so we did a bunch of that to avoid open cuts in areas that were congested around intersections we would do directional drills and stuff like that got it okay so when you're planning this stuff out where at what point in the process does that come into play where you start to uh, drill these holes, look for this stuff. Is this after you know the project is going to happen and it's an assessment phase or is this beforehand in that 10-year lead-up phase? Like, how, what, is that, what does it look like to lead up to starting to dig, right. like breaking ground? Well, you know, early on, it's all in a, you know, you, you go back 10 years, right? It's all somebody's idea, and then does the municipality have the will to do it? Okay, um, you know, like in Lee County, they've got an excellent DOT and utilities team in-house at Lee County. Um, they may come up with some initial budgets themselves to get it on the CIP plan that gets approved years and years in advance. And then they start to select uh, project managers and engineers and all of the things related to that so in this case lee county decided because of the complexity to do construction management process which they do a lot on vertical buildings they hadn't done it so much with horizontal type work but this needed so much coordination they wanted to do that on this one so they got us hired early 
uh, and we worked with the design team uh, and basically anything that they needed or had questions on or that we knew of areas of conflict or maybe a challenging spot, we would say, hey, let's go check this, let's check that. And we worked as a team um, to make it happen. So, I mean, you hear horror stories all the time about, you know, road projects are in litigation or road projects are late and road projects are over budget. That project didn't have any of that. It didn't have litigation. It was early and it was under budget. Yeah. You started laughing when he said that. Well, it's just because he's right. I mean, so many times you'll go to certain areas of the country and it's like, you know, my goodness, are they ever going to get this done? But you never know what, if there's politics behind it, if there's fun funding behind it, if there's, you know, um, just poor design. I mean, there's things, obviously, we started in segment one, which is down towards um, Times Square, that Crescent Street, you know, that way, that sure. first mile. And that was a 50 foot right away from one side to another. And that is a very tight area. And not only was the other firm doing the water line ahead of us, we had, you know, our firm doing our utilities, and then you've got CenturyLink, Tico Gas, FPL. I mean, you've got all these different people you're coordinating and orchestrating this schedule with in a 50-foot right-of-way during the Olympics, during season, during spring break, during summer, during hurricanes, all of the things. Um, so it was a very coordinated effort. And then once segment one was done, of course, there's lessons learned. Of course, there's things that we were like, well, we need to change that because it didn't work so well here. Or it didn't work as well as we wanted to or that they thought it would work. So that way in segments two through whatever, we would make those changes and upgrade and, and learn those lessons and incorporate those ideas and lessons into that. And the engineer was right, you know, with us the whole time because they saw it as well. So Got us it. being boots on the ground, you know, they design it conceptually and hope, think it's probably going to work. All the things are, you know, they're sure. smart enough to do that. But when push comes to shove and you're standing there, you know, in a rainstorm and you're trying to make sure that it's draining properly and you see one thing you could do better to make it drain faster, well, sure, you're going to do that on segment two, you know, sure. and down the, down the way. Plus, the right way got a little wider, so it was made it a little easier. But the town was very cooperative. The county was very cooperative. They knew it was a very challenging um, I mean, I've heard, you know, folks from Lee County say this is the most challenging we've ever done. This is the most, you know, we've ever done in Lee County because it is. It's one way in and one way out of that island. Yeah. And everybody and their brother wants to come down. And, you know, the, the traffic is already bad. Yeah. Then you add construction to it. So we, we did our best to maintain two-way traffic um, because one-way traffic is just a nightmare on the beach. Um, we added more crosswalks. I don't know if that's really helping or not, but we did add those. <laughs> but those types of things that you look at and do um, and consider, um, it took a CM, not a, a hard bid, because when you're hard bidding, you're getting the lowest guy, and you don't know what capacity, what capabilities, what you know relationships they've got. When you're doing that CMR, they're managing and taking that, you know, they're managing all of that, okay. taking on all of that team coordination. Um, the project manager we actually had um, on there was great. He had to coordinate with all these other entities that did not, are, were not contracted with us. They were contracted either with the town or the county directly. So did they really have to listen to us? No, we weren't, you know, they weren't our subcontractor. Sure. But we had to work in conjunction with them the entire way because if we didn't, it just wasn't going to work. Because the worst thing you could do is, you know, put this beautiful new cinder lane, you know, trench drain or this beautiful asphalt or sidewalk. And then a month later, here comes Century, like dinging it all up. And it's yeah. like, well, hold time out. You know, and then the residents down there, they're just, they're like, what's going on? You know, this was beautiful. And now you're 
messing it up again. And no one really knew what contractor was with who. So, um, you know, that in and of itself uh, was a challenge. The the county's public information officer um, did her job is to try and communicate that, you know, coordinate that, get that out there. But you know, once a rumor starts, it is. And so you have to kind of combat that. And our guys did a great job on the ground, in the field, answering the questions, talking with the residents, because they're curious. Either they live sure. there, they're visiting there, their parents live there, you know, what have you. And they want to know what in the heck's going on. And so it was a very big team effort. But again, a, a construction manager was the right call that the county made for that job. A, a hard bid, you know, firm from, I don't know, the East Coast. It would never have worked as well. And, and I think that that was, the county knew that. And so in doing that process, um, just made it that much better. And then again, the funding um, that the commissioners kind of voted on to get that done faster. You know, six and a half years was long enough. You know, we were in <laughs> these businesses and these people for six and a half years. And, um, you know, we did what we could, but it was what it was. And I, I mean, I think it turned out great. I was just down there um, yesterday and Saturday. So every time I drive by, it's just, you know, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's got to so be a feeling of pride when it you is. drive down it's there. A, it was a long six miles. I mean, you think six miles, it doesn't take you that long to drive six miles. But if you're doing that day in and day out in that small right of way, and then it gets a little bit wider, but then you've got businesses, residents, mm -hmm. you know, big entities like a Publix, the fire estate, all these, the trash, the mail, the ambulances, the fire trucks, the school buses on that small road. One way in and one way out. I mean, you've got to just coordinate with everything. So it was a very, yeah. very difficult coordination job that, you know, I think we got done in a, in a way that the county, I think, was just blown away. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's something even like six miles, like you said, doesn't take very long, long right. to drive. But right. the monumental effort it takes mm -hmm. to build something like that, it's pretty, it's pretty mm -hmm. tremendous. I mean. Well, and it's it's cool hearing this process because I never really thought of it this way, but you had six phases and then because of the approach that you guys took, it was more, hey, here's the six phases. We have a pretty good idea of what this is going to be like, but once it comes down to the ground level, you're, it's a lot more mm -hmm. really ground game and ground coordination of, all right, we're chunking this out and now we're starting to work on this, keeping tabs on what's happening. Mm -hmm. We're observing what we did well, what went wrong, how we can improve that. Mm -hmm. And then basically, all right, we wrap up this section onto the next section, apply those same things. Then you run Learn into more. the next oh, yeah. section mm -hmm. of issues. And mm -hmm. so it just, it just gets. And it was interesting. One and two were, were separate. So segment one, segment two, and then we combined segments three and four and we combined segments five and six. Okay. And you, part is of that the reason we did that efficient? is that, well, that and the design and the, and was the a little different. Was the funding was, was uh, there for both. Up. Okay. The design was a little mm -hmm. bit different in the last five and six as far as the center line drain right. went just because the right-of-way was so much bigger um, and the road was a little different. So it was those types of things, you know, made it easier. But like I said, the commissioners really stepped up and, and got that funding to be secured faster than it normal, it right. would have been. And that was probably the key element in us being able to, while we're building, they're designing. While we're building, they're designing. So it's not like design, build, design. I mean, it was just so much faster. Sure. And if you think about some of the delays that aren't construction related that affected us, right? You have Florida Power and Light doing a hardening program. So they're upgrading all the electrical infrastructure on the beach, except we had a tropical storm and two named hurricanes during that period of time. So everybody knows what happens when FPL has a hurricane, right? They all stage and they go where the power's out, mm -hmm. rightly so. But what that meant for us was zero FPL construction crews. Down there. 
nobody there available. working. So gotcha. if you can't move your power pole, I can't put a road where it, where it sits, right? So it was that. And then, you know, you heard Molly mention the Olympics. Well, most people, well, why does that affect you? Well, CenturyLink that Comcast. year, ha or I'm sorry, mm -hmm. uh, ha happened to be the sponsor of the Olympics. And they said, since we're paying to sponsor the Olympics, no outages during that period of time. So for the entire yes. period of the Olympics, nobody worked. Nobody Comcast. worked. We will not move a line. Could not After risk the Olympics, having an outage. We will take outages and we will commence construction. But in the early planning <laughs> of that, you don't know that's going to occur. You sure don't know there's hurricanes. So we worked around all those items too and worked through it all. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, even down to, hey, what day is trash day? And I have all the sidewalk formed in front of your house. We'll come get your trash, set it out by the road. Trash truck comes by and grabs it. We'll bring it back up. Mail, right? We have to move the mailboxes out of the right away to do our work. Okay, here's your mail. We've reset your mailbox over here. Okay, we've moved it back now that the sidewalk's done. Or Every resident up and down that beach. Fire trucks, you never know when an emergency is going to happen. Ambulance, the school buses, you know those. But, right. you know, you don't know when an emergency is going to happen. An ambulance right. has to get through that, you know, stuck traffic. I mean, yep. you just have to make – we had flaggers and stuff that were very helpful. Oh, yeah. But we had to make it work. And um, – I said it was a very coordinated, orchestrated effort with the town, the county, and all those utilities, as well as both of our teams. And the businesses. I mean, we and were the coordinating the food deliveries to restaurants and altering the time of day they got those so that we could get all of their food and beverages inside their businesses prior to our construction crews being in front of those businesses and cutting off access during the day. So wow. if we're pouring concrete at 10 o'clock, i got to make sure, you know, all the sandwich meat and all the Budweiser's inside the building <laughs> before that, right? Because to that business owner, that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So how do, how do you end up finding out all of these factors that you, come into play? Is you this talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. We, we had a, a coordinator that worked under the project manager that did exactly that. But the project manager and the two assistant project managers that were helping him they knew everybody on that beach. And two or three weeks before they were going to be in an area, they would go down and knock on the door, introduce themselves, give them their card, and they would start to identify the timing of whatever their concerns or needs were so that when we got there, it was pre-coordinated. And if they had something to that didn't go like they thought it needed to, they had several phone call, phone numbers of the individuals that could fix it right now not sure. hey let me check with so-and-so so -and -so. these are the guys that are doing it right now yeah. you know the, the town and the county had public information officers and that worked great for you know mass information but if one of your bulldozers just ran over my mailbox i don't want it to take a week for you to get my mailbox up. Yeah, so, the email from a, right. a no reply email yes. address isn't going to no. help me solve So we, we had one-on-one -on -one relationships with all of those people. Our whole team did. And we just eliminated all of the frustration with the residents and businesses on the beach the best we could. So why why, why do that? In, in hindsight, and talking to you, it makes perfect sense. But I don't think that this is a common thing. So why do that? Does that come from past experience of having done a project like this and working with the community well, or well i mean 
uh, we've been in business since 1989. I started this company in 1989. And there are a couple things that we concentrate on. Customer service. And as part of that customer service, um, in that case, we're working for the county, right? Those are representatives of the citizens. So all of those citizens are also our customers. Yeah. So our job is customer service, right? Um, I need to make sure if you're if I have to take the end of your driveway out, I need to know when you're going to be here. Look, if you're going to be gone and you're a, a part-time resident, guess what? If it's possible, I'm going to be fixing your driveway in the summertime. But if we need to coordinate that and you get half a driveway and then we do the other half, it's all just part of it. Yeah. Um, that's how we go about doing what we do. I mean, you stay in business for a long time by doing the right thing and doing the best you can at it. Yeah. Um, for us, it's not about, you know, could we make an extra $10,000 by just crowding it all through? I'm sure we could, but why upset all those people when they're already upset just by the nature <laughs> of what's occurring? It's our job to make it less. Yeah. It's our job to make it as good as we can. And I think most of our clients know that's how we operate, which is why, you know, 95% of all our work's for repeat clients. Really? Okay. Nice. <clears throat> I mean, it makes a, it makes a big difference. I, I, the last company I was at, a uh, big focus on customer service and especially because we were at that point, we were a private company going against a real Goliath mm -hmm. company that had been around for 60 plus years. And that was one of the main things that actually got us business. And, right. you know, when people don't have that person they can connect with, I mean, you end up becoming a faceless company and right. people then move to people who will actually pay attention right. and help them out. Well, you right. do business with people that you like. And so yeah. they know that we're here. They know that we're local. They know they can call us. They know that we'll take care of it. But it's not just the clients that we have that service to. It's our subcontractors who could also refer us. So, you know, we don't want to be known as this contractor that. We want to be known as the contractor that will do it. They'll get it done. They'll do it the right way. They'll do it, you know, honest, all those things. That's what we want to be known for. And I believe our clients and our subs and, and our um, employees and consultant partners, our architect and engineer partners, they all kind of – you see what you see is what you get. I mean, yeah. that's, and that goes from – from top down. I mean, it's 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 a snowball effect of, of attitude and and passion, I guess, for what we do, but also for the firm itself. And no one wants to walk around with their logo on their shirt and have bad looks to you, you know, or I, yeah. this one time, it's, you know, we'd rather it just be done the right way and you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, and so you guys are, you guys are <laughs> hiring right now, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we were just talking about, you have apparently 400 new projects that just <laughs> a bunch started. There's a bunch coming um, up. <laughs> so how does it work in terms of people coming and working with you? I mean, what what kind of positions do you guys have open and, and what what type of work do you guys need? You know, what type of roles do you need to fill right now with these new projects starting? Uh, let's talk about how we fill those roles before we talk about which ones we need. Sure. We, we have a thought process that we don't put two firsts on a job, right? If I have a, a, a first-time customer, we're not going to put a first-time new hire on that job. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a customer, an existing project manager or senior PM as a mentor, depending on what level of new hire we have. Mm -hmm. And then we put with them somebody to learn not only 
um, how we do it, but the attitude that we do it with, the culture we do it in, because we really do put the customer and the work product and your coworker first. So if if you're just a grouch to be around all the time, but you build a perfect job, you're not for us. Yeah. You can't stay here. Now, if you want to come and take um, what is a complicated industry that sometimes gets difficult projects and know that you've got an entire team from top to bottom that's working for a common goal to make everybody's life easier and give the owner what they bought, we're probably for you. Um, we're right now looking for project managers, and those would work under our uh, existing senior project managers. We're also looking for assistant project managers to partner with our uh, some of our existing PMs, engineers, uh, interns. We, we do an intern program with FGCU. We also do intern program with some of the technical schools in town um, nice. to have entry-level folks there, but we're looking for Right now, we're looking for somebody in accounting. We're looking for a superintendent. We're looking for assistant superintendent. Uh, looking for our, a seasoned uh, estimator, you know, as far as construction estimating, preferably with uh, K-12 or higher ed background because as in any industry, right, you get down into the real details of it. Okay, there's an estimator, and they say, okay, well, what do you specialize in? Oh, I'm I've done a majority of my estimating on industrial. Okay, I've, I've done most of mine on K-12. Okay, but it really does get in that much detail. So that's we're looking for a lot of positions right now. But, you know, a lot of people in our industry are looking for the same thing. So sure. there's a, a heck of a labor shortage. I read something the other day that the government said the labor market is fully saturated. So that's yeah. what we're seeing reflected in. Yeah. We're looking for more. You know, we're blessed enough to live in part of the country that continues to grow and grow to where you may see some exodus in other parts of the country for whatever reason. So, you know, it's compounding the labor problem. Yeah. And then you take the supply chain issues on top of that. You know, it's yeah. interesting time right now. <laughs> interesting to manage through. Well, and so are people moving down from other parts of the country to work with you guys? Either that or to just get away from that, you know, crowded, convoluted area. A lot of a lot of times, you know, during this whole pandemic, two years, we've just seen a flood of folks coming down, either moving their entire um, office down here. And when you say work with us, not necessarily coworkers, but clients, you know, okay. we've gained new clients because they're moving their whole kit and caboodle down here. They're, you know, they want to get out of the Chicago's, the New York's, the New Jersey's. They want to yeah. be down here in the sunshine. If they're going to be doing a team's meeting anyway, why not look at a palm tree versus an evergreen with snow on it? I mean, yeah. why not? Um, so that's occurring. So we've, we've gotten a, a plethora of new clients that way. Okay. Um, and then you've got the influx of folks that come down, whether it's, you know, students, whether it's people whose grandparents live down here, whose parents are down here, they come down to visit, they kind of hang out, and then they realize, oh, there is stuff for me to do. There's construction going on everywhere. And so that kind of helps as well. So we do get um, a little bit of both. Um, and then you've got subcontractors who are, you know, um, referring people to us okay. um, that may not have a spot at their firm, but, you know, referring them to us. So it's it's kind of a mix Got of it. different things. Well, you said something when we were talking uh, on the phone before this about the types of, uh, I don't know, lifestyles that some of these roles have you put in with other companies where you're 
you know, you're a project manager, but you're away from home for mm -hmm. six months or I don't know, two years, something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, you you said something interesting about how you guys are different there. I mean, what? How do you guys solve that issue for some of these these different roles? So our firm is licensed to do work in the state of Florida. Um, so we keep our um, boundaries awfully close. I four down. We have an office in Marathon, Florida, also, and we're doing work down there. Um, but we don't we don't go anywhere north of I four. We don't go over to the East Coast. That's saturated with those folks, and we'll let them have that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we kind of stay with you know around our place. But but the benefit I feel like of, of being working for Christelle, whether you're a senior PM, a PM, a super, a superintendent, especially because those are the guys that are on site every single day, boots on the ground, hundred percent of the time. They're yeah. they're managing that job, right? I've heard, you know, guys who, you know, either send their resume or want to talk to me. They're saying, I don't want to move to Oklahoma. I don't want to move to Minnesota. I don't want to move to South Carolina for 18 months to two years because these are bigger firms that have licensure to do work in other states. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar, but it's Florida is its own entity. GC licenses in Florida are not reciprocal with any other state nor any other state can you work in Florida unless you have a Florida GC license. It is its own little oddball thing because we've got the wind, the environment, the, you know, all of those different things. Sure. It's just Florida is its own thing. Um, so we've got firms that do have licensure in other states that will send their superintendents away from their two twin little boys or their wife who's pregnant or whatever for 18 months to two years to build, um, you know, a hospital or an office park somewhere else, which that's sure. great for his experience, but what's he giving up or what's she giving up? Um, so we're finding that a lot of folks, especially with the pandemic, they don't want to be traveling all the time. They want to be close to home. There are more things, more things that are important to them they've found. So, sure. and that is one, I think, aspect that I feel is attractive, Christelle brings, is that we're not going to make you, when we say travel, I mean, we might make you go to Naples. You could go to DeSoto County. Ugh. Heck, you might even have to go to Marathon. I mean, my <laughs> goodness. Like, it's it's not going to be, hey, go out to, you know, Timbuktu, Iowa and build this, you know, industrial warehouse for two and a half years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we just don't do that. So um, we're pretty content. There's enough work, I think, around here to go around um, where we don't need to travel into those other states. We have clients that come down here from those other states, but the construction is always taking place here. So that is a very, I think, is attractive to some people that have just been, they're tired. They're yeah. been traveling superintendents. We actually have some guys that work with us now that have traveled overseas and have done oh, yeah. that time after time after time. Again, seen some really cool stuff, been exposed to some really cool projects in different countries and learned a bunch of languages, but... They're tired. They want to yeah. stay here. You know, their wife is here, their family's here, you know, whatever, their husband or whatever. So yeah. I think that's kind of attractive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, and if you're, if you're a young person in that position, you know, maybe it's not such a big deal sure. and you're getting the experience. You can right. go out to wherever, Absolutely. live two years out on the road, be sure. a road warrior, come home whenever you need to. But now I, I have a nope. six-month-old daughter yeah. and I could imagine what it would be it like. It takes to, a toll. Right. Yeah, what it would be like to be gone for two years. And not and only on your family, but that relationship between you and your spouse. I mean, that's, you know, it's like being a military spouse. Yeah. You know, you're deployed for however long. And that's not everybody can do that. So yeah. that's one thing that I feel like people really are, are appreciative of hearing and knowing that that's not going to occur. You know, once this job was over, we're not going to send you. We're going to find something that's 
you don't have you can sleep in your own bed every night you know yeah unless you're in the marathon office then maybe <laughs> well you can live there but <laughs> yeah um, but yeah there's you a would lot force of people to have to be <laughs> in the have Florida to stay in the keys. Keys. I know oh. I know <laughs> But Discuss. you know that there, there are there are different niches all in construction, and we've talked about that. There are companies that just chase big boxes, right? Whether it's a Target or a Costco or a Walmart or you know a, a Publix or a Cash and Care, you know whatever it is, and they go wherever that franchise puts in a store, and their teams are expected to go. Um, we're not like that. We're more of the we've got a really wide range of experience. So what we want to concentrate on is knowing and understanding our market really well yeah. and being the best in that market, whatever your construction need is. I don't want to be the best Walmart builder in the United States of America, right? I want to be the best builder in Southwest Florida and in the Florida Keys. And I want to be able, as you as a client come to me, say, you know, I really like that team I had last time. Can I have the same one? Sure, you can have the same one. There you go. Or I have a guy that lives in Rotunda and the project is a big renovation on Boca Grande and he doesn't have to drive to Naples every day to work because we pay attention to where he lives and say, hey, let's make your life easy and you do this job right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, we care about those employees and their quality of life because, um, you know, every year we do our Christmas party and we want all of the spouses there. We want them to know all of the team members that their spouse goes to work with every day, because let's face it, sometimes you come home and you grumble about the day you had or the <laughs> blah, 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 so-and-so on the that, job. Um, we want that spouse to know, honey, I'm sorry you had a bad day, but that guy's really not that bad, remember? Or, no, that's not. You know, We want that understanding when they get home. We want them to know who we are as a company and everybody in it from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, that's an organization we're trying to build. Well, and this is a privately owned company, right? Correct. Okay. And are a lot of the competitors you're going against, are they private equity or you know, um, public companies? It and- depends. Some of them are large private. Some of them are owned by conglomerates overseas. Some of them are public. You know, it's just a whole bunch of uh, different, but, you know, yeah, we're, we're privately held, but we are right now transitioning through the process. And it'll be a long process, but, you know, we started a couple of years ago to be employee-owned. Nice. So okay. there aren't many contracting companies, uh, GCCMs, any of that that are employee-owned. Well, can I ask? So, uh, I mean, I, I worked the last company I worked at. It was very much similar approach to what you guys look at. Of you got to take care of your employees, make sure that they're taken care of. Then their spouses understand what's going on. When you got to, you know, send right. them out to Vegas for a the next day to go work with a customer at their hangar, you know, that you got to do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, it's a strong company and right. it showed at the Christmas party, but that also flowed out to the customers. Like they understood, they could feel, they can feel that, Absolutely. that difference. And I mean, it makes all the difference, but right. now, since you guys already have that, uh, what is the benefit of going to an employee owned business? How does that even... Does it enhance that even more? What what was the thought behind moving to an employee-owned business? Well, there's a couple of different um, thoughts behind it. N- number one, I mean, when I, when I started it, right, I'm not going to live forever. So what's the exit <laughs> strategy, right? Um, there are a lot of companies that have just sold out. Well, sure. that doesn't appeal to me because I've got 
um, employees that have been there. Like I said, it's our 33rd year. So I've got employees that have been there over 30. I mean, to me, I would have if I would have been the guy there for 30 years and that happened, yes, I got paid to be there. I did all those things, but it's a little bit of slap in the face. Yeah. So what is a good strategy for that? Okay, so to me, I personally feel if, if I worked for somewhere my whole career, um, I would want an investment in that business to where when I got ready to retire, it would give me back something and that I could now pass on to the next person that wants to put their career there. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the loyalty and, you know, one thing about really good, smart, self-starter people is if you don't give them opportunity to grow, I assure you they'll self-start in a different direction. Yeah. They just won't be working for you anymore. They'll go somewhere else. Absolutely they yeah. would. Why wouldn't they? So I think our ESOP helps motivate that too because the more it's your company – and the longer you're here and the more shares you achieve of it, the more benefit to you in the end. You you are essentially working for yourself in an organization that's large enough that it would take decades and decades if you started from scratch. And, you know, I've said to people before, I would hate to be starting from scratch now, um, 33 years ago. I didn't know what I didn't know. So, you know, I don't know that knowing what I know now, I would have done it. And I don't know that right now. The opportunity is the same because risk is different. You know, sure. your insurance companies, your bonding companies, all of the people that have to say, yes, I will financially back and insure and guarantee you, you know, they're all risk adverse too. They don't want the risk. So sure. a startup is harder Yeah. Um, to where right now, I mean, we're an ongoing entity as all of the individuals become individual owners of that company. It, it's ongoing, it's secure, it's stable. All those relationships are there and have been cemented over the last 25 years. It's a, a good place to build your career. And when you leave, your retirement will already be built. Yeah. And you get to transfer that to somebody else that's now building their career. Yeah. That's why, you, you know, you hear us talk. Look, we're, we're in the intern program for the college. We want young people, but we want you to be customer-oriented, product-oriented, and we want you to want to be here. We have an entire um, program and hierarchy of moving up through our company that is pre, you know, pre-printed, and it's just out there. You do these things, you'll move from superintendent one to superintendent two. You do these things, you'll move to a senior super. You, that's just the progression. And yeah. then part of that is find somebody to train them to do your job, so you don't have to do it, and you can do the next job. Yep. So, you know, it's win-win all the way, all the way around it. You know, I've probably got another 10 or 10 or so years and then it'll be up to the younger people and they can carry the torch. But I want them to be secure. That way they know where their future is if they want to do it too, because it's not like something's going to change when I turn 65. Oh my gosh, she's going to sell it. No, that's already been predetermined to what we're doing. So you can say, Hey, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm going to get when it comes time. And I'm going to transfer that over to somebody younger than me. And, you know, it's a good, it's a good career path, I think, for everybody. Yeah, well, and it gets people more bought in, I think, because Mm -hmm. uh, just speaking from, uh, I'm 29, just speaking from somebody younger that's going through the process of starting my own business about a year ago and going through all this. And part of the reason why I left was I was looking for something that I could own that I could be 
a part of an ownership. I'm not like CEO guy. I need to be my own boss. And right. like every time I hear that, I'm like, that that sounds like the worst reason to go do all of this stuff that right. comes with starting a business. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not as easy, nearly as easy as I thought no. it would be, but I wanted to own something. I wanted to have something I could have right. some pride in and, and have a reason to make it better and put the time in and take care of customers and do all that stuff. And I just felt like, uh, you know, when I, when we didn't have that anymore, uh, I don't know. I, I got apathetic. Uh, didn't, didn't really feel right. like being there anymore. Right. And, and you can make some good money being apathetic. Like sure. you, you can, Oh yeah, of course. A little hand waving and, then people just pay you and they don't even know what you're working on. But right. I, I was just, you know, had a moment driving one day where I was like, if you don't leave and go start your own thing that, or work for somebody else that means something like, man, you're going to have a, a weird life. Like right. it's not going to be good. You're not going to enjoy it. So, mm -hmm. Hey, this is uh, right. this is sheer madness starting <laughs> a business, but I, I it's, I feel like I own something and that's important. So it's cool that you're you're actually making the effort to give people that ability because you don't you, – it's not no. easy to find. No. It's really hard right. to find. I, I think most good quality individuals that want to have a, a career, not just a job, want to work with a purpose, right? Yeah. I, I want to have a purpose in what I do every day. That purpose may be to train younger people. It may be – have you know great customer relations it may be to build the best product we can possibly build but in that purpose is rarely i want to be the richest guy in the world now, everybody <laughs> needs to get paid for what they do right you got a family to support you got things to do but if you're really good at what you do you, you will make um you know plenty enough to do that and be the top earner in that group of you know whatever your job task is but just the money without the purpose pretty soon just becomes a job. And then you get even, I think, you even get more, you, you get less um, motivated to take care of the customer or your, you know, because it's all just money driven and that is a terrible place to be. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, and so, guys, as we're we're kind of wrapping this up, what are some of the projects so I know we touched on them a little bit, but if we can cover so people that are listening know, what are some of the projects that you've started now and where is the where is the company heading? Well, let's start with the project. So Yeah, I know the second uh, question is a pretty uh pretty wide open <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Um you know that we're doing projects everything from independent living to multifamily. Um you know, there's a huge um education thing Parks. coming now as far as a wave in the marketplace you, well, you say where are all these apartments coming from but we're not seeing that slow down no. um, we're getting molly gets probably a call or two a week for multifamily. um yeah. you know you've got a bunch of your institutional investors and stuff that are now all in the have been for a while in the middle of all that where they flip out of them and you know cash out but we're seeing the multifamily, mm -hmm. we're seeing the independent living we're seeing all of the k-12 we're seeing the the college, you know, we're doing stuff for the counties and the cities and we're doing marinas and just all different kinds of stuff. One of the newest models I've seen come about lately is there's a company that 
is talking to us about building single-family homes on a large piece of land. So they're putting, you know, standard subdivision, but the homes are not for sale. They're only for rent. Right. And there's two bedroom, three bedroom. And these you are know. 350 to 375 you, units in yeah. this area. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're three and four bedroom, 2,400 square feet. Right. Right. Decent, you know. Nice single family homes. homes. Only for rent. But it's rent. And I was curious and asked the owner, I said, do you guys get these all together, get them leased up and flip them? Oh, absolutely not. We keep them and hold them from now on. We, we've never sold any deals. That's their business model, but that was the first time that, it, as a company, I'd ran up a, and seen that. And they, it's a neighborhood, but they have like a storage, like a you store it place on right. site for those residents. Um, you know, amenities just like you would in any other neighborhood, but they are all rentals. No, it's not rent to own. It's not. It's right. all rentals. It's straight rent. Wow. So yeah. how did? So I'm curious. I talked to somebody else on this podcast about this, but what do you think that that has? <clears throat> what kind of impact does that have on the future of home ownership down here? You know, I don't know. You've got. Um, yeah. I think you have a certain group of people that want to own, and you have other group of people that want to rent and don't want to be bothered with ownership. Sure. Um, you know, I, I fall into the, hey, I want the equity. If I'm paying for it, I want it. But I'm not sure yeah. everybody does. Uh, it must work for them. They're spending millions of dollars to do it. Well, and, uh, and it's their model. That may not be able to, in the rules and regulations today, may not be able to buy a house. Either they don't have the down payment or they don't have, you know, their credit isn't stellar or they just don't have enough money saved. They can rent for two or three years, get that money saved up and then go and and put that money down and then and gain that equity. But, you know, some people too, I think, are just looking at home prices and it scares them, you know, yeah. because they don't want to be another 2006 where you're paying through the nose for a house thinking you got a great deal. And then two years later, you're underwater and you're never going to get out of that. So I think that that scares some people. I think some people are gun shy. People up north are not. They come down here. They pay cash 20 30% over asking, sight unseen. And it's easy for them because let's buy the – It's but a crazy then The folks that are down here are thinking – well, there's no way my house is worth that, or there's no way my land is worth that. And right now it is. Is it ghost equity? Is it real equity? You know, I don't know. I guess we'll see here in, in a little bit. But this concept is is interesting. And once, you know, we were we talked, you know, to the owner about it, one of the questions like Howard said, he asked, he said, Well, how long, you know, are you just gonna flip it? Because that's normally what you would think. No, they they own it. They, they own they, they've never flipped it. out of one. They keep it. So it's like, wow. well, they're obviously not, you know they're going to be financing is going to be just fine, you know. So it's things like that that you, in this market and in today's, you know, the ideas and the and the things that are developing that you thought would never, ever come to fruition, you know, it changed it. So, sure. look, we're going to kind of roll with those punches and, and kind of see how we can fit into that. Um, but, yeah, like Howard said, it's, it's industrial. It's multifamily, independent living, educational, parks and rec, government entities, private you know, big renovation. I mean, there's a lot, you know, we just, we have a lot starting, um, you know, we're starting what the same amount of work in May that we did all of last year. So that's something I don't think we'd ever think we'd say, but we're saying it. So um, it's an interesting time for sure. We've got, you know, lots of things, you know, down the line coming up too, because again, they're just, whenever they're started, we've been awarded 
uh, recently four or five different projects for government entities that we were recently awarded. So those are coming down the pike. So um, there's a lot of work out there. Um, sure. So we uh, and we have a lot of it. So it's exciting. It is exciting. So <laughs> that brings us to your last question, right? The, yeah, where do you the go The future from here? of the company. Look, the, the strength in our company is the people, right, that are inside the company. So where do we go from here? We try to collect and attract and employ more of those same kind of people because we can only teach you one thing, and that's skills. You have to bring everything else to us. You have to bring the integrity. You have to bring the honesty. You have to bring everything that makes you the kind of person that, as a company, we want you in front of our client. So you have to bring that. If you have a less ability, we'll teach you that. Mm -hmm. We'll send you to school. We'll pay for your schooling. We'll do whatever it is for you to grow into a good construction professional as long as you have the other parts, but you have to bring those. Yeah. So, you know, where does that leave us in the future? There are people like that out there, and we hope to attract a bunch of them. We hope that the benefits that we offer, you know, we didn't really hit on that. Um, you know, we pay for the employees' insurance, but we pay for half their family's insurance, too, for health insurance. So we try to offer benefits that are the top of our market in our industry because we want the very best people we can find. And we want you to treat our customers um, like they're the most important people to you because they are the most important to us, you know, as a company. And we want uh, the kind of people that do that. And then we want people that understand the quality of the work product. So, you know, you say, where do we go? That's where we go. We continue to attract that. The customers, you know, you alluded to it. Customers pick up on that. We haven't had a problem with customers. Um, the single largest problem is the right workforce, and that's what we'll continue to do. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, guys, where can people find you and get in touch with you and hopefully apply for some jobs? <laughs> um, well, we are all over social media, Crystal Construction. We Our offices, we have an office in down near downtown. Um, we also have an office in Marathon, but easiest way I would think is call the, call the office um, or visit our website, um, www.crystalconstruction.com. Um, visit our social media and go from there. Cool. And I'll add all that stuff in the show yep. notes as well. But uh, before, we, before we wrap this up, you guys have anything else that you want to add? Well, just, you know, if you're one of those people and you think you fit that bill, please call us. Um, we've got plenty of opportunity for you. Cool. All yeah. right. Looking forward to meeting them. Yeah, for sure. And okay. thank you for having us today and yeah, letting us for talk sure. about Thanks. all the things, the needs that we have and the the um, interesting things going on in the construction industry yeah. here in Southwest Florida right now. Thanks for yeah. coming in and doing this. I appreciate it because, I mean, I, I like talking to people that run businesses the way that you guys run it because – not a lot of people have this mentality around the customer service and it kind of shows if you've been in business for 33 years and you're taking on these massive, massive projects, which I look at, we were talking about it before of, I don't even know where you would begin to start on a project like this. So mm -hmm. having a company that can actually pull this stuff off and obviously do it well enough that they keep asking you to do more and more of them. Um, it's cool. So thanks for sharing this stuff with us. But uh, all right. Certainly. Thank you, everybody.
This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcasts. If you're a business in Southwest Florida and you want to use a podcast to grow your business, scan the QR code on your screen or visit the link in the show notes at www.swflpodcast.com.